For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hi, this is Rachel on Recovery. We've got a special guest, Ashley Easter, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself, and then she, we're going to ask her some questions. Hey, everyone. I'm Ashley Easter. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I really appreciate it. Um, so tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so I am a cult survivor, and um, I've been out since 22. It was actually my husband who rescued me, so I'm happily married. Um, and we are living in North Carolina. We're in the process of building, uh, well, renovating a home. And uh, yeah, so I am an intuition coach. I'm a nonprofit founder for an organization called Courage 365. And we focus on empowering survivors of abuse. And then with my intuition work, I focus on helping people make decisions based on intuition versus fear or ego. Fair enough. Um, well, we're going to jump into the questions. Um, what things have you done to recover from cult abuse? You know, one of the best things for me has been therapy. I love um, recommending therapy. I know that there's many different types um, and there's so many different ones to explore, but therapy for me has been huge. It's been a safe space to be able to talk about what happened and then also receive um, tools that can help with trauma, really researching and understanding how trauma affects the body, whether that's through what I've learned in my therapy sessions or my research otherwise. That's been so powerful in my recovery because when you don't understand trauma, you can begin to think, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. When in fact, the truth is your body is responding exactly as it should be in a traumatic situation because it's always trying to protect you. Um, something else that has been super helpful is finding supportive community. So when you leave a toxic environment, um, there's this, um, there's this huge loss. And one of the draws to cults and to high demand religions is that sense of belonging and being in community. And of course, these communities um, that are cults become toxic and it's an unhealthy form of community. But as humans, we really have evolved to need community. So one of the biggest um, things that's helped me is seeking out chosen family, seeking out friends and supporters, both online and in person, to really gain a sense of healthy community and connection to heal those parts um, of me and kind of um, give new memories to the old memories I had about community. Um, what has been the most helpful um, the most helpful in what part? Like in your recovery outside of therapy or like, was there a specific type of therapy like EMDR or something to that effect? Right. So, you know, I think 
I think one of the most helpful things for me is has been finding my person. <laughs> and for me, that's my husband. There's um, a lot of ways to do that. So you could have a good friend or a family member. But having the therapy is so important, having broad community, but then having that one person in your life that always supports you, always has your back, and um, really can be that safe place and sounding board. That person who um, knows that you're working hard to deal with your trauma and also that triggers will pop up and they're not offended by those. They understand those and you can work through those together. And like I said, for me, that's my husband. But I think that has been one of the most powerful things um, to be able to be in relationship with somebody where I can kind of work out <laughs> what I've learned in therapy in a relationship with somebody who's supportive, understanding, and um really has my good in mind. Um, this was going to be a, probably a tough one for you. How did your family respond? You know, they were mixed reactions. So when I left the cult, um, my uncle and aunt and cousins, they were very supportive of me. Um, it was my mom's brother because they had seen a lot of the things that I had seen and they were already a bit distanced from the family. It was mainly just um, holidays versus like day in, day out kind of stuff. And um, so we gained a lot of closeness and that was such a beautiful thing. And me being younger, but my uncle being older and having seen some of the same stuff and not having been able to talk about it or not really, you know, not really being able to express that. And then the two of us connecting, that was so powerful and really healing. But as far as my parents and my siblings, my grandparents, I'm really not in touch with them. And I haven't been for many years. You know, sometimes people are shunned. And other times, like in my case, there was sort of a line in the sand moment where I realized, you know, you either need to support me in my recovery journey from all of this or I can't have you in my life because you're constantly trying to pull me back into these toxic ideologies. And so for me, it was kind of like, you either need to support me or, <laughs> or not. And there were things that were sent around, emails that were sent around about how Ashley's removed herself from the family. And this was even before I kind of drew that line in the sand. So it was sort of a, a both and situation of them saying she's removed herself from the family and then me actually being like, oh, that's how you see this. And then after that, me being like, you know what? I don't think this is salvageable. This is the line in the sand. And yeah, so it's, it's painful. It's uh, difficult. But what I can say is it gets so much easier. Um, the longer you're out and the more you create a supportive community around you. Fair enough. Um, how did your community respond? Um, that was sort of a mixed bag. So people who had already left the community or thinking about leaving, I think they were grateful that I was starting to talk about what had happened to me because they had had similar things happen. But the ones who decided to stay were very protectionistic, very dismissive. Um, I definitely got um, messages and comments and um, interactions that were not pleasant at all. Um, 
And it was very difficult because this was pretty much the only community that I knew and I was having to start from scratch. So the loss of my closest family, the loss of my community, except for a few people that had already left. Um, yeah, it was like starting over again. Was there any re-victimization or victim blaming? Oh, of course. Yes, of course. Um, that certainly shows up, um, whether it's in, you know, she should just get over this. And even if something happened to her, you know, she should just not talk about it, um, let it go, those types of things to, oh, she must be lying about her experience, um, to just, you know, um, well, you know, this, this is something she should have not ever put herself in these positions or, or something like that, where, it wasn't my fault, but people tried to make things my fault. That happens more times than not. And actually probably majority of the time. Um, how has this impacted your career? Um, well, before I was a nanny and um, I decided that um, nannying wasn't for me. There was very few types of roles that were acceptable for women in this very patriarchal environment. And so when I broke free, I realized that I could, you know, have freedom to choose what I wanted to choose. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it was one of those things where I first felt drawn to creating a nonprofit, um, like, we didn't even call a nonprofit at first. It was more just, there was a need for survivors and I felt like I needed to fill that need. And so I guess it affected me in just having empathy for others and really realizing we need to create something and try to help people. And then sort of on the back end, you know, you look at it and it, it's turned into a career, but on the front end, you're just looking at it like, how can I help people? Like this can't keep happening. And we, we've got to talk about this and have safe community together. Okay. Um, well, speaking of your nonprofit, let's uh, tell us about courage 365. Yeah. So after I left the cult, I began um, talking and writing about some of the things I'd experienced. And I had hundreds of people reaching out to me, telling me they'd had very similar experiences, particularly in faith environments. And um, they all felt alone and isolated. But I knew they weren't alone because hundreds of people were telling me such similar things. So I felt my intuition calling me to start an event. And um, we called it the Courage Conference. And we had um, a sold out event the first year. There was 120 people in person and 80 people streaming live online. And we all got into this space where we felt connected to each other and not as alone. And for some people, it was the first time they talked about their story or been in community with other survivors. And then we had these amazing speakers who were either survivors sharing their stories or mental health professionals or legal experts and people who had triumphed and really developed these healing tools for themselves. And that continued to happen year after year until we decided to create a nonprofit. And um, that nonprofit is called Courage 365. And what we've been doing 
like from the very beginning, is trying to create community and education for people after they've left abuse. So um, some of the ways we do that is we have a lot of online free resources. So on our website, courage365.org, you can download ebooks and courage cards that have um, ways to reduce trauma triggers when they're flaring up. We have um, tons of videos and podcasts um, of survivors sharing their stories or sharing their healing journeys um, with a courage conversation show. And um, we have a text messaging list where survivors can join the text messaging list and get empowering messages every day. And then what I'm most excited about, what is coming up really soon, actually October 1st through the 30th, uh, we have a Facebook group where we have speakers very similar to that first Courage Conference, but on an online format so we can reach more people and we don't have any COVID concerns. <laughs> and uh, so we have people like Noemi Uebe, who is on the Hillsong documentary on Discovery+. Plus. She's talking about escaping a cult. We have Sarah Scott, who is a Hollywood actress and intimacy coordinator. In the past, we've had Leah Remini from Scientology in the aftermath and other survivors who um, experienced abuse from Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby. And we have this mix of people who are focused on sharing what they've learned and how they've been able to move forward and healing. And so we do that inside that Facebook group for the 30 days. And we have self-care challenges and prizes and peer support groups. And so it's just developed into this supportive online community for survivors where we educate and create supportive community. That's awesome. Um, I know you've written a couple of books and you've written, uh, you've done some producing of some series. Yeah. So I, um, I am a TV producer. I have, um, projects kind of in the works. I'm working with other producers on things. So I can't talk about that too much right now, but exciting things. I really care about talking about stories of meaning. And then, um, I have a couple books. So one is called The Courage Coach, A Practical Friendly Guide on How to Heal from Abuse. And it's really just those first few steps of recognizing what is abuse and what is therapy? What is PTSD? How can I get connected to resources? And then um, I have a free ebook called um, Cults Hidden in Plain Sight, How to Spot Them and How to Break Free. And it's a, it's a mini ebook. So it's very short, but it tells you what to look out for in cults so you can evaluate the situation you're in and then how to move forward into safety and healing. And those are on my website, ashleyeaster.com. And then the Courage um, 365 information is at courage365.org. Okay. Um, how do you cope with the triggers of working in that environment? You know, I think it's one of those things where you just have to pay very close attention to your body. You have to be aware of what your limitations are. And um, I think we all want to help people. But a big part of 
what I believe about advocacy work is that we all need to stay in our own lanes. So I'm not a therapist. So I don't pretend to be a therapist. Um, I am not the police or a lawyer. So I don't pretend to have those jobs. But what I do offer is support and education and creating these materials for people um, to be able to live with courage every day. And so I think a lot of it is just knowing what what my role is and being very clear about that. But then, you know, secondly, like we can't always know when a trigger is going to pop up. Um, we can stay in our lane and we can, I know I've done this work for years and so it gets easier with time, but every once in a while there'll be something that pops up and it's triggering to me. And in those moments, I just have to go back to my tools, the same tools that I offer to the clients of my nonprofit of how to regulate your body, how to take care of yourself and, um, when to kind of realize your limits of what you can and cannot do in certain moments and, and when to delegate and refer out. Um, how has this impacted your dating life? Well, Growing up in the cult, we practice something called courtship. So dating is kind of the traditional thing that people think of where a man and woman or a man and a man or woman and woman, whatever your preferences are, um, they decide if and when they date, how fast or slow that relationship goes, if and when they get married. And it's all really up to the couple. You know, there may be, particularly in the South, like uh, emphasis on getting like maybe the father or mother's blessing. But at the end of the day, the couple decides. Um in the cult, that wasn't exactly that way. There was a lot of parental influence and power and control in the situation. And so I had experienced some abuse in a courtship relationship. And when I started breaking free ideologically, I started sneaking out on dates, <laughs> doing my own thing. And that's when I met my husband. And um, he was actually the one who I had been changing ideologically from the cult mindset, but I didn't have a good way to ex escape until we got married. And so, um, gives a new meaning to a getaway car at the wedding, <laughs> but it's, it's been amazing. I don't regret it. And my advice is use your intuition when you're dating or when you're choosing a partner. Um, don't let fear or ego or other people's expectations of who you should be with um, make those decisions for you. Really trust your gut on that. And when you do, you will not be sorry. It's been the best decision in my life. Okay. Um, how has this impacted your marriage? I mean, there's probably some leftover trauma there. Sure. So one thing that I've realized for myself is that my trauma and my triggers are mine. And I try to be very clear with my husband when I'm experiencing a trigger. I try to be very clear about things that trigger me. And I also try to be very persistent at working on my healing, going to therapy, using these tools. So when triggers pop up, um, it's not that they don't exist and they were a lot you know, there was a lot more of them popping up earlier in our relationship and marriage. But what I always did was I, after I, you know, 
calm my body down. I would say, hey, you know, in that moment, that wasn't you. That was me dealing with a trauma trigger. And this is why I was feeling this way. And this is the thing that came up for me. And my husband is very um, empathetic and understanding. And he he also wants to do the work of understanding trauma. And so us being very open and communicative about that allowed him to not take things as a slight against him and allowed me to um, know that he was going to be a safe place if trauma triggers came up. So um, yes, they did come up. They still come up on occasion, but they've lessened over the years because I've done so much work on myself. But for me, the biggest tool here was communication between us, uh, always assuming the best of the other person because we're safe people. You can't always do that if you're in a bad relationship, but in a good relationship, uh, assuming that the other person had good intentions. And then me taking charge of my own recovery and consistently doing the work. Fair enough. Um, how has this affected your parenting or have you gotten to that point yet? We do not have children. Fair enough. Um, how has this impacted your overall uh, health long-term? You know, I have an autoimmune disorder. Um, I've been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and depression. Um, and uh, I really do think from the research and what I've been told by therapists and doctors that those things are connected to the body experiencing trauma. And so, um, yes, that is a struggle for me. And to be completely honest, I took an afternoon nap today because my anxiety was up and I wasn't feeling good. And so, yes, it absolutely has affected my health. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just try to try to be gentle with myself and realize that, Again, this is my body doing its best after it's experienced something really terrible. And so when it's, um, quote unquote, acting up, <laughs> it's trying to tell me, you know, that I need to, to pay attention and look within and ask my intuition, you know, what could be triggering this? What does my body need right now? Um, how has this impacted your social life? Um, I would say I'm have always been a very social person and it certainly impacted my social life in the beginning because I lost my whole social mm -hmm. community, but I've been very diligent at working to grow my social community. And I put people in different categories. So I have people like my husband. He's, he's the closest person to me that I really allow to see all of me. And then I have my best friends and I have just a handful of those. And then I have good friends and then I have acquaintances and then I have colleagues and, um, you know, people I just run into online, but I'm, I'm constantly looking for ways to connect with other people. Maybe that's because I'm an extrovert, but um, yeah, I, I love connecting with other people. And there certainly was an uphill battle to restore social connection after leaving the cult. Hmm. Um, how has this affected your long-term mental health? Um, like I said, I have PTSD, anxiety, and depression. So those um, are present still in my life. And um, unfortunately, um, those things along with my autoimmune disorder do act up and I, I do experience them. Um, and so it's 
kind of one of those things where I've had to realize that there are things that I can do to try to reduce these things. And I'm always trying to learn about the newest treatments and those sorts of things. But that um, right now, this is a part of my existence, a part of my experience, and that I need to account for those when I'm making plans and, and deciding what I want to do next in my life. Okay. Um, to other victims out there, what advice would you want to give them? There's so much advice that could be given, but I think, number one, you're not alone. It's not your fault. And after the other things like find community and get therapy, if at all possible, I would say you get to decide who you want to be now. Maybe in the past you didn't have the opportunity. Maybe you weren't allowed to decide who you wanted to be as a person because of your environment, because of abuse, because of, an, of a relationship. But now it's a fresh start. You can be whoever you want to be. <laughs> you um, literally can rewire your brain. You can um, study the things you want to study now. You can create the fun and joy in your life. And I would say aside from all the typical things, um, yeah, it's just recreate yourself as many times as you want. You get to choose who you get to be now. Okay. Um, what was the grooming process like? Uh, for me, I was born into it. So um, being born into a cult, I've, I would say that there was like a huge grooming process outside of just being consistently indoctrinated as a child. But this, um, my parents, my grandparents were, were in this um, movement. And so it was something that um, I just was always around from the time I was an infant. Okay. Um, how has this impacted your faith? Well, I've gone through a lot of different transitions. So I came from a very extremist um, Christian ideology. I then went to uh, evangelical, like mainstream Christianity. From there, I went to progressive Christianity. And I would say now um, I appreciate Jesus. And I think that there's a lot that can be learned from love your neighbor and things such as that. But I wouldn't say that I could confine my spirituality to a religion. Um, I love the study of quantum physics and I really feel like spirituality and science are the same thing. We just use different language and sometimes that spiritual language is more fun. So I love learning about quantum physics and the energy of everything that is. I love learning about manifestation and the laws of the universe. Um, and sociology and biology and all of those things, I think um, we can look at everything from a spiritual lens and see things in an expansive view. I would say my core beliefs are um, that we should always be leaning into love and expansion. Okay. Um, is there anything else you would like to add? Yeah, so I really appreciate this opportunity, and um, if anybody would like to join our event, um, it's happening 
through the month of October, the 1st through the 30th. You can join at any time. Um, and we'll have those powerful speakers, those self-care challenges, those prizes that we're giving away and um, support groups uh, all inside of our Facebook group. It's totally and complete, completely free. It's called the 30 Days of Courage. And to join that, um, you can search for us on Facebook, but I think the best way to find the link and to see all the speakers and details is to go to courage365.org slash the word 30. So that's courage365.org slash the word 30. Okay. Um, thank you, Ashley, for coming on the show and telling us about your experience um, surviving getting out of a cult. And um, thanks, guys, for listening to Rachel in Recovery. We'll be back on Thursday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. Always follow us on your favorite podcast, social media platform, or all, if you have any questions or want to reach out, always go to rachelinrecovery.com. Thanks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.